Good morning, church. Welcome. Y'all out there? Are you awake? You made it here, right? Will you stand? Let's worship together. Let's sing. song it was good man 100% that song is gonna be stuck in my head all week long and I hope because that's a really 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 awesome song we we have a good God we have a good God that's him that's our that's his nature he's just good and he loves us and I'm so glad that I get to be here with you here at Kavanaugh Church this morning celebrating his goodness with you. I love that. I love that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad that you're here this morning. And those online, thank you so much for tuning in. We love you too. And just so glad to be here together. I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up, get your exercise in, and we're going to pray and ask God to bless our services this morning. So good to see you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, you, you saved us. You redeemed us. You call us your own. And I'm so thankful for your love for us. Thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much for your son and all that you have done for us, God. It's not 
what you do or don't do that makes you good. It's just who you are that makes you good. And I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for allowing us to meet here today. Be with a message as Brother Will brings the word. Lord, it's an awesome message. And, and Lord, I pray that our hearts are open and receive all that you want us to have, God. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us, uh, disclosing everything to us. Thank you for making sure that we are well equipped to do this thing called life. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship. It was mine. 
the worship scene that was happening that John described for us and we talked about that when we gather in this place it's our opportunity to get to practice worshiping here on earth Amen. the next song that we're going to sing is a new one for us um, and it will have you singing the very words that John writes in Revelation chapter 4 there is no one else that is worthy of our praise and there is no one else who will receive glory and honor and power. And all of creation one day will call him their king. So today, join with us and let's sing to the one who made a way for us. Let's worship him together. 
Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And all God's people said, Amen, and praise Him. You may be seated. Appreciate you singing today. Uh, he is worthy to receive our praise. Amen? Amen? Amen. Boy, we're glad that you're here today and for those watching online. Thank you. Man, here, here we are, middle of July. Feels good, doesn't it? Uh, I, keep, I keep being asked, when are we going to be in the new building? You know, we had set our dedication Sunday for August the 15th, and I'm here to tell you we're not going to make that date, all right? Uh, things have been delayed, and, and it's just not going to happen. Uh, we're not setting a new date yet uh, for a few more weeks till we see uh, how much progress we can make, but we will be in that new building soon, and I'm excited about that. It's going to be wonderful. Can't, can't wait. Well, I'm, I'm doing a summer series I thought would just be kind of a simple little series, and it, it has been nothing uh, simple about it. It's, it's really been in-depth, and I think of great value to our church. We're talking about 10 values for strong families because our families are under attack and, and we need the support of God and we need to be valuing what God values. And today we're going to be on commandment number seven. It's found in Exodus chapter 20 and it's verse 14. Read this aloud with me. You shall not commit adultery. I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was in a different town uh, looking for a place, and, and I didn't have Susie talking to me. Y'all know who Susie is, don't you? She, she's the navigational guide on my telephone, you know, and I, I, I type in where I want to go, and Susie talks to me in this uh, Australian language, and, and, and she's, she's Australian, and I'll tell, sometimes I just tell Susie to shut up, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? But anyway, I didn't have Susie on, and so I, 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 I just going off my internal map and uh, navigational system, and I turned up this road, and all of a sudden I saw these big signs on both sides of the road that said, do not enter. I was, I was going the wrong way, down a one-way road, and I saw cars ahead of me coming towards me. And Ken, I panicked, all right, because I knew this was going to be devastating if I continued on the path that I was on. And so I did a Batman turn in my pickup truck, just twilled that baby around, and I started heading in the right direction. I've thought about that numerous times since then, and I, I was so happy that they had those signs there, you know? I was so glad for those signs, but how do signs like that make you feel? Do they offend you? They're telling you don't go down this road. Does that offend you? Does it hurt your feelings when you read a sign like that? Don't enter. You're going the wrong way. Or kind of like me, does it make you happy? 
that those warning signs were there. Okay? God gives us warnings in his word. Whenever God says, don't do something, it's not because he's mean or wanting to limit your fun. He's doing it for our good. He made us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what's going to hurt us and destroy us. So when we read in God's word, don't do this or you shall not do that, it's not because God is being some mean God. He's doing it because he loves us. And therefore we have commandment number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Would you pray with me? Let's ask for God's help today. Lord, I I certainly need your help this morning as I try to preach this verse and this topic I pray, dear Lord, that as I speak on the outside, your Holy Spirit would just speak directly into our hearts. I pray that in this service, uh, lives would be changed. I pray that someone would be saved. I pray, dear Lord, that we would accept your word and your authority and apply it to our lives. And Lord, if we're going down the wrong road, I pray that we would see that warning sign today and, and turn our life around and live it according to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Nothing, and I mean nothing, will destroy your family faster than adultery. Even the mere mention of this word causes some of you pain and memories and shame. Can I tell you that the purpose of today's message is not to resurrect your past. I don't want to drag you through the mud this morning. Because if you're here and listening to me, and you have committed adultery, I would, I would presume that at this point you've recognized the error of your way and you've sought God's forgiveness. You have repented of your sins. And if you do that, if you repent of your sin, even if it's this sin of adultery, if you confess it and repent of it, God is going to free you from it and forgive you of it. Amen. Just like any other sin that we commit... If we confess and repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so today my point of the message is not to drag you through that mud again. If you've been forgiven, you're forgiven. And beyond that, God not only forgives, he forgets. He's put it in the sea of forgetfulness. He's not holding it against you at all today. And so if you're still living in guilt, let me tell you, that guilt is not from God. Because if you've confessed and repented, he has forgiven you. And if you're still experiencing guilt, friend, that's from the devil. The the devil wants you to live in that guilt. Don't let Satan condemn you for things in your past that have already been forgiven and forgotten by God. So today we're not going to dig up your past. Today what we're going to do is focus on the future. And let me just start by saying God is no killjoy. Okay? Hollywood did not invent sex. God did. All right? Like everything else God has given us, it is a good gift, but it must be controlled. God wants you to use it, not abuse it. You, You see, all of God's gifts have limitations on them. God has given us the gift of water. Man, I am so thankful for water. And you wish you had some right now too, you know? When you're thirsty, you drink, but you know what? Too much water and you drown. Fire is good. 
fire can warm us, but if you get fire out of control, fire can also burn you. It, it all depends on how you handle it. And God says, I have put a drive inside of each one of you. It's called sex. Properly controlled and expressed in a marriage between one man and one woman, it is a wonderful thing. But you let that outside of a marriage between one man and one woman, it can be very destructive and detrimental to your health as a human being, both emotionally and spiritually and every other way. So what we're going to do today is focus on the future, and I want to share with you from God's Word how you can affair-proof your marriage, how you can totally avoid this commandment number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. God doesn't want you to commit adultery. So how do we do that? We affair-proof our marriage. So the commandment, Exodus 20, thou shalt not commit adultery. A New Testament verse that couples up with that is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, husbands and wives, be faithful to each other. God will judge those who are immoral, and God will judge those who commit adultery. Would you agree with me that it's a whole lot easier to get married than to stay married? Come on. Come on. It is. In today's world where there are permissive values that basically says anything goes, and an entertainment industry that is obsessed with sex, and it is, they use it to sell everything from cars to bananas, you don't stand much of a chance of remaining pure unless you establish some guidelines in your own life. Not long ago, Reader's Digest did this study, and they claim that 50% of married men and 35% of married women commit adultery in their marriage and in their life. Now, I don't know if those stats are true or not, but I do know it is a huge problem in the world in which we live. So let's go to God's Word. Let's look at the five steps that we can take to affair-proof our marriage. Some of you have got good minds and memories. You can remember this. The rest of you, get out a pen and a piece of paper. Write these things down because they might just save your marriage and your family. You want to affair-proof your marriage? Number one, make a commitment to God's standard. You, you make a commitment. You know what? I'm going to do it God's way. Regardless of your past, regardless of your failures, you need to say today, you know what, I am going to make a commitment to maintain God's standards in my life. That means you agree with God about what God says about sex. God's standards have never, never, or will they ever change. The Bible says that sex is for marriage between one man and one woman. Sex is for marriage in a relationship between one man and one woman. One man, one woman. And anything before that marriage is wrong. Sex before marriage is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Period. Psalm 119, verse 9. We looked at this Wednesday night. How many of y'all were here Wednesday night? Remember, remember this verse? How can a 
person, Old King James says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, the answer is obvious. Live according to our culture. No. How can a young man keep his way pure? Here's what the verse says. By living according to the word of God. By doing it God's way. God's standard is very clear in his word. Listen to me. Adultery is never an option. Under no circumstances is it okay. There is no justification for you committing adultery, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your family, no matter what's going on in your relationship with your spouse. Adultery is never okay. Uh, this reaffirmed throughout Scripture. I can, I can remember a story there in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph? He was sold into slavery in, in Egypt. Potiphar bought him. And Miss Potiphar, she was, she was, I think they used the term cougar. Uh, she was one, and she was after him every day, tempting him and asking him to have sex with her. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was every single day. You know what Joseph could have said? Joseph could have said, you know what? I'm young, and I'm single. I'm away from my home, my family. I'm living in a foreign country. There is no doubt this woman wants me. I've been abused my whole life. My mom died when I was a kid. My father was overindulgent towards me. My brothers hated me. They sold me into slavery. He had a terrible family life. He was deprived of love. He could have said, you know what? Under these circumstances, I owe it to myself for one moment's worth of enjoyment. He could have said that. But you know what he said instead? I will not sin against the Lord my God. And that day when she reached out and grabbed his cloak, he turned away and he ran from the temptation. By the way, let me tell you, that's pretty good advice. When you're tempted, you need to turn and run. Look at what Proverbs 5.15 says. Be faithful to your own wife. Give your love to her alone. And, and listen to me, this is not a suggestion. God, God says this is a commandment. So what I want to suggest to you is that you need to publicly affirm God's standard. The first step in doing that is to sit down with your spouse, look them in the eye and say, by God's grace, I promise that no matter what else happens in my life, in your life, in our family, no matter what happens, I am going to be faithful to you until the day I die. You need to say that to your spouse. And, and don't let it just be words. You need to mean it from your heart. And then you need to take the, the next step, and you need to let your friends, your relatives, and especially the people that you work with know that there is no doubt about this in your life. You have made that commitment that an Affair, adultery is out of the question. You're not going to do it because you're faithful to your spouse. Amen. You need to make that commitment. I'm going to do it God's way. Number two, if you want to affair-proof your marriage, you need to magnify the consequences. Remind yourself of the devastation and the destruction that is caused by sexual sin. Proverbs 6.32, no, the one who commits adultery is an utter fool. 
For what he is doing is destroying his own soul. Nothing damages our emotions like sexual sin. Nothing. Sexual sin leaves permanent scars. The shame just, I'm telling you, it just doesn't go away. The sense of loss to everyone involved is absolutely enormous. And I can't tell you, as a pastor, and I've been doing this a long time, about 40 years, I can't tell you the number of people who have sat in my office and said to me, Pastor, I just wish I could turn the clock back. I wished I could go back and make a different decision. I wished I hadn't have done that. I wished I hadn't betrayed my spouse. I wished I hadn't have caused that pain in my life, in their life, in our family's life. I wished I could just change that one thing. You need to think it through. If you, if you do this, think of the collateral damage that's going to be done. You know what? Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, it is better to pluck it out than to leave it in there and cause sin. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off than to allow your hand to cause you to sin. You're saying, preacher, you're off in left field. No, I'm not. Jesus said that in the context of saying this. Right before he said it about your eye and your hand, Jesus said, you have heard from old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, a man who looks upon another woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Therefore, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You need to magnify the consequences. Proverbs 6, 26, adultery will cost a man all that he has. Remember Esau in the Old Testament? He was so hungry that he sold his birthright and his inheritance for a bowl of porridge. I know people today who are selling their life, their soul, for a moment of pleasure. And it's not worth it. Many of you are in a difficult marriage right now. You're struggling. You're having a tough time. It's not satisfying. And so you've got wandering eyes. You see the tragedy in your own home. Things your needs are not being fulfilled, and so you're looking around. You're looking around. You need to know that the cost of maintaining and restoring and fixing your broken marriage, even though it might be a high price to pay, is not nearly as high of a price as adultery is going to cost you. It just doesn't pay in the long run. Because everyone, and I mean everyone, loses. Angie and I have been married 38 years. I've dated her for a year, or she dated me, or we dated each other for a year and a half before we got married. So we've been married and together a long time. And I want you to know, church, listen to me. I want you to know, by God's grace, I am going to remain faithful to my wife until the day I die. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I want the rest of you to know that. I know I ain't no prize catch, but just stay away from me, okay? <laughs> I've made that commitment. I'm, I'm going to be faithful to her. 
And I've thought this through, Ronnie. I really thought it through. There are three reasons I'm going to be faithful to my wife. Reason number one is because I love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I owe Jesus my life. Jesus died for me. Jesus is my ticket to heaven. And Jesus said, if you love me, William Harmon, you're going to keep my commandments. And there is no doubt in my mind how God feels about sex. It's a gift to me. It's a gift to my wife. But it's only for us in our marriage. I know how God feels about that. And so because I love Jesus so much, I am not going to be unfaithful to my wife. Number two, I'm going to be faithful to my wife because I love my wife, I love my three kids, and I love my two grandbabies. And let me tell you, I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine the hurt and the pain and the turmoil that I would cause to my family and to this church for a moment's worth of pleasure. And so I'm going to be faithful to my wife because I love Jesus. Number two, because... I love my wife and my kids. And the third reason I'm going to be faithful is because I fear God's judgment. And let me tell you, it's not this, I'm so scared of God. No, it is a reverential fear I have for the Lord and for his word. And friend, you need that same fear of God in your life. The Bible says you don't do this and get away with it. You may think that you've gotten away with it, but you're not getting away with it. You're going to reap what you sow. And just as God saw David and Bathsheba in their adultery, nobody else may see it, but God sees it. And God knows what's going on. One day, you're going to have to explain to God why you chose to do what God said don't do. Remember Hebrews 13:4? God will judge those who are immoral and those who commit sexual immorality and adultery. You're not going to get away with it. So magnify the consequences. I'm, I'm worried about America. Are you worried about our country? I mean, if they taught drug education today in our schools the way they teach sex education, you know what they'd be doing? They'd be handing out needles teaching our kids how to shoot up. Mm. What they're saying to our kids by handing out condoms is this. We know you're going to do this, so here's a way you can do it safe and maybe not get somebody pregnant. You know what? Our kids don't need to hear that. If you're a teenager in this room, if you're watching online, that's not what you need to hear. What you need to hear is this. God says, don't do it. Sex is for marriage, one man, one woman, for eternity. Our world is telling them, it's okay, go ahead and do it. God says, no, it's not. And you need to magnify the consequences in your own mind. Number three, if you want to affair-proof your marriage, are you, are you with me? You still with me? Yes. Number three, maintain your own marriage. Maintain your marriage. A, a growing relationship with your spouse is going to reduce the, the pull and the attraction of adultery. I, I'm going to throw up 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 on the board. A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a wife should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. Now, this is out of the Good News translation. I, I encourage you to go home today and read it out of either the King James or the New King James because it's very specific what it's talking about here. But I want to use it in the broader sense of the Good News translation. 
Your job is to satisfy the needs of your spouse. And what are they? Well, I'm glad you asked. Dr. Willard Harley, a counselor in Minnesota, wrote a book several years ago, His Needs, Her Needs. He based this book on his research and his counseling of thousands, literally thousands of couples. And he came up with what he thinks are the top five needs most men have compared to the top five needs that most women have. And I'm going to throw these things up on the board, and we're going to compare them and look at the similarities. Here are the top five needs of men, the top five needs of women, left and right. Number one for men, sexual fulfillment. Number one for women, affection. Number two, recreational companionship. Number two, conversation. Number three, an attractive spouse. Number three, honesty and openness for the woman. For the man, number four, domestic support. For the woman, it's financial support. Number five, admiration. For the woman, it's family commitment. Do you see the similarities? No, because there are no similarities. Men and women are different. So stop believing the lie that our world is trying to tell you. There's, there is a big difference between a man and a woman. Not only genetically, there's a difference the way God made us. Men have certain needs. Women have different needs. And the tragedy in most homes is we get married and we get into this relationship and the man is thinking, okay, I'm going to meet the needs of my wife based on the needs that I have. And he tries to fulfill her by reaching and meeting those needs that are really his needs. And she's thinking, what in the world did I get my life involved in? This guy is so selfish. He's such a loser. But she's the same way. She's trying to meet his needs with her own demands and her own needs. You know what the solution is? The solution is you need to sit down and really figure out what the needs are that your wife has or your husband has and then go about meeting those needs. The, the problem we get into is this. My needs are not being met. Her needs are not being met. And we look out across the grass and we think, you know what? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. No, it's not, Ronnie. The grass is greener where you put the water to it. And you need to find out what the needs of your spouse are and meet those needs. Here's what I figured out, guys. Listen to me. If I am meeting Angie's needs, if I figure out what they are and I'm doing my best to meet those needs and I'm satisfying her needs in my home, there's not going to be any reason in the world Angie's going to be out there looking for another man to bring satisfaction to her life because she's getting satisfied at home. Anybody with me there? So here it is, maintain your marriage. You work hard to maintain your marriage. We're at number four. If you want to affair-proof your marriage, you need to manage your mind. People just don't fall into immorality. There is, there is really no such thing as a one-night stand. 
You may think there is, but that really is a fallacy. You cannot be moral and upright today and tomorrow fall into immorality. It doesn't happen that way. It always begins by accepting sinful thoughts into your mind. The battle for temptation in your life always begins in the brain. Regardless of what the temptation is, the battle begins in your mind. What you think about will eventually turn into how you feel. And however you feel is the way you're going to act. James chapter 1 verse 14 tells us this. Temptation is the pull of a person's own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. And afterwards it leads to what? Death. Death. And the problem with most of us as Christians is we're not serious about what we think about. You wonder what the big deal is. Preacher, why in the world are you making such a big deal about me guarding my thoughts and watching certain movies and not going to certain movies? What's the big deal? I can handle it. It's nothing for me. It doesn't bother me. Who in the world are you kidding, man? That is such a lie. You are being deceived if you think that is the truth. The battle always begins in the brain. You become what you think about. And if you think about positive, good, happy, healthy, loving kinds of things, that's the way you're going to act. On the other side, if you think lustful, dirty, trashy, obscene thoughts, that's going to be the person you become. It is impossible not to be affected by what we allow in our brains. I read just this past week that most of us have garbage disposals in our kitchen and garbage dispensers in our living rooms. Whether it's the TV or a computer screen, It is a garbage dispenser that you are just allowing into your home. And you're really naive to do that. You don't, there are some things you just don't need to be, you don't need to let certain things in your home or in your mind. 2 Timothy 2.22, turn your back on lustful desires and give your positive attention to goodness, integrity, love, and peace. I want to share with you Romans chapter 16, verse 19. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Now, for most of us, the exact opposite is true. We are so wise and knowledgeable about what is evil and sinful and ignorant about what is good. That's not God's way. And that will lead you in the process of immorality if you don't control your own thoughts. So here's here's the point I want to make under this point of managing my mind. You need to get serious about what you let in your head. You need to get serious about what you think about. You and God are really the only ones that really know what you really think about. Nobody else can ever know. So you have to decide, you know what? I am going to limit what goes into my brain. Therefore, there are certain movies you don't need to be going to. There are certain TV shows you don't need to be watching. Don't even stop there. 
when you got the little flipper in your hand. Because you know it's trash and you know how it affects you. There are certain places you don't need to go. There are certain music you don't need to listen to. There are certain people you don't need to be around. You're just going to have to limit it, man. You're going to have to say, no, this is not smart. I know where this is going. You might say, well, well, other people do it. Yeah, but you know what? What my daddy always told me, you ain't everybody else. And what affects me may not affect you in the same way. You know how the devil gets to you. You know the temptations he leads you down, and you need to avoid those things. Don't even go there, man. Mm. Mm. Number five, minimize the opportunity. You want to affair proof your marriage? Minimize the opportunity. If you don't want to get stung by bees, guess what? Stay away from the bees. Don't place yourself in situations where you know you're going to be tempted. Recognize the circumstances that weaken your standards. Be alert. Be aware of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think it's verse 12. Be careful. If you're thinking, I'd never behave like that, let this be a warning to you. For you too may fall into sin. Be careful, man. You, you need to know the early warning signs of temptation in your life so you can put a stop to it. Some of you are, are thinking right now that this is a great message, but preacher, I don't need it. I've been married so long, it, this could never happen to me. Who are you kidding? The fact is the Bible says the heart is deceitful and it is desperately wicked. We can fool ourselves so easily. When you say it could never happen to me, the fact is none of us in this room are immune. Given the right situation, you or I or anybody else listening to this message could give in to temptation. We could give in to sin. Under the right circumstances, we could all compromise. You have to put these guards around your life. You have to set up guidelines and standards to keep you doing the right thing even when the world says it's okay. God says, no, it's not. And you need to put his guardrails around your life. Let me just get real practical here. One of the greatest threats to your marriage is business travel. When, when you have to go out of town and you're by yourself in a strange city and you're in a hotel room by yourself, that could, be, that could be very hazardous. So you need to set the guidelines before you even go. You, you don't, let me just share with you what I did. Years ago, I started traveling, preaching, going to all kinds of different meetings, and I would have to travel and be in, in motels by myself. And, and I set these guidelines up early. I, would, I, I decided I wasn't even going to turn that crazy TV on unless it was a Monday night football game <laughs> or the Texas Rangers were playing baseball. I was only going to watch sporting events and, and, and mute it during the commercials. Why? Because I was alone. I, did, I didn't want to get stuck on some bad channel that I don't need, didn't need to be watching and my wife saying to me, turn that trash off. You, you need to be very careful if you're traveling what you look at and who you talk to. What you do. 
Really, one of the greatest threats to your marriage is business travel. Another thing that you need to do is choose your friends correctly. Bad company corrupts good character. And it is well documented that most affairs occur between couples who already know each other. They're already good friends. So you better make sure that your best friends are as committed to their marriage as you are to your marriage. And if they're not, you don't need to be best friends with them. Period. Establish some guidelines. The Bible says guard yourself and your spirit, and do not break faith with your wife. One of the prime places for this to happen is in offices. Offices are ripe for budding romances. Everybody looks good. Everybody smells good. Everybody's on their best behavior. You don't see them at home. You don't see them in curlers. You don't see them with diarrhea. I can't believe you said that, preacher. Well, I thought really serious about it before I said it. You don't see those people at their worst. You see them at their best. You need to watch it. Every year when we go on our church staff retreat, I sit the staff down And I I tell them, I said, you know, I know y'all are all godly people and you love the Lord, but you can never be too careful. So here are the rules at Kavanaugh Church. If you're going to counsel somebody of the opposite sex, you're only going to do it two, maybe three times by yourself. That's enough. If it goes longer than that, you're going to bring somebody else in the room with you. You never counsel anybody of the opposite sex with your door closed and the blinds down. You don't do that. You never get in the car with somebody of the opposite sex, even if it's just to go to Sonic and get a drink or to go across town and get your car out of the tire shop. Never. Never. Not that you're going to do anything, but let me tell you, in the world in which we live in, sometimes what people see can be worse than what's actually done. And you need to avoid all appearance of evil. Because let me tell you something. None of us are exempt. The devil is after you. He wants to destroy your marriage. The devil is after me. I naively thought years ago that after I reached a certain point in my life and in ministry, you know, I, I would be above temptation. Temptation wouldn't even bother me. How stupid of me. You know, I get to a certain age and, and you know, no temptation. I'm about to turn 60. And let me tell you, I've, I've never been tempted more than I am right now. Because there's so much more at stake. You've just got to make up your mind, friend. You, you've got to decide on your own that, you know what? This is not going to happen, and I'm going to minimize any opportunity for it to happen. And stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. You might be sitting here thinking, okay, great message. I wish I would have heard this a year ago. Because right now, I'm in the middle of an affair. I'm going to close by sharing with you what I think the pathway back to purity is. And it's real simple. Number one, you need to acknowledge the sin that you're in. And it is a sin. Under no circumstances is adultery right. Just recently... 
I was involved in a counseling situation with a woman who committed adultery against her husband, her family, and she said she has now found true love. She's with this man, and for the first time she feels love, and she just knows it's God's plan for her life to do this. Whoa, hang on here. Don't you drag God into this. It's not God's will for her life that she has adultery and leaves her husband and her family. That's not God. That's a sin. So if you want to get back on the right path, you need to acknowledge your sin. Number two, you need to end the relationship immediately. I mean, nip it. Is that Barney Five that said that? Or Andy, nip it. Nip it in the bud. You cut it off right now. And don't go see them to tell them you're cutting it off. You send them a text message. Send them a letter. Because that brings up number three, avoid all contact with that person from now on. They cannot be a part of your life. Preacher, that's pretty bold. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. And I would say, number four, that you need to come clean with your spouse. I started this message by saying, nothing destroys families faster than adultery. It is catastrophic. It's damaging. It can ruin families. And you have devastated your spouse if you have committed adultery against them. You need to come clean. There cannot be any more secrets. And it is a hard road to plow back and to make right. But you can do it. It's going to take both of you. It's going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of work and a lot of love. But you know what? By God's grace, by God's mercy, your marriage can be better than it ever was before. But God's got to be central. My prayer all week is, Lord, this, 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 is, this is another tough one, Lord. I, th- I thought this summer series was going to be pretty easy. It ain't been nothing like that. And this is a tough message. This is a hard message. But we do need it. We do need it. And my prayer is, Lord, if there's somebody in our service this morning at 1030 that is lost, they they have no hope in Jesus, I pray, my prayer for you is today you'd be saved. That you would come and let Jesus set you free and forgive you of your sins and he become your ticket to heaven. My prayer is also this, Lord, if there are marriages in this 1030 service that are in a weakened state, would you strengthen that marriage today? You know what that's going to take? That's going to take you two, you and your spouse, coming and laying your cards on the table at the altar and asking God for help. And if right now you are involved in an affair or adultery, you need to come clean today. And get God's grace in your life. And you know what? If your marriage is great, well, praise the Lord. But you still need to come and pray for your marriage. Because it is not immune from the devil's temptation. So really, everybody needs to be at the altar today, don't they? And Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to do that. Come and make the decisions that we need to make to do the right thing. Dear Jesus, if there's someone in this room that needs to be saved, I pray that today they would accept your gift of salvation. For families and marriages, 
I pray that we would bring our marriages and lay them on the altar and ask you for your grace and your help. I love you so much, Lord. I praise you, and I ask that you would do something awesome in this time of invitation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing. Altars are open. Would you come and use them? Just come right now and pray. God wants to talk to you. So would you come and talk to him? Represented in this room today, I pray that you would strengthen for those marriages that are suffering and, and weakened and are in danger. I pray, dear God, that your, your spirit would go right now and meet the needs that we have. I love you so much, Lord. Love this church. Thank you for each person who's listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thanks again for being here. God bless you. I want you to pray for some people in our church who are in the hospital as I speak. Uh, pray for James Harris. Pray for Fred Froball, Karen McKinney, Wayne Davis, Mary Clark. All these people have major health issues, and we're lifting them up to the Lord. And we're praying for each other, amen, because we all have needs in our life. Uh, as you walk out the room today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes or you can give online. At 6.30 tonight, our Bible study is going to be on Facebook Live. Ronnie Fox is going to teach the lesson, and here's what he has to say about the lesson. 
If you listen tonight, you will hear things you have not heard before and probably won't ever hear again. Man, I can't wait, Ronnie. I can't wait, and uh, I hope you tune in as well. Certainly good to have everybody with us today. Good to have you guys. McLean's good to see you all. Bless your heart for being here, Steve. Pray for Brother Johnny and uh, his group of kids. They're, they've already left. Johnny preached early uh, to the second service, and, and he took off. He didn't leave your kids back there by themselves. I say that. But he's going to Oklahoma for camp uh, all week long, and then he turns around from camp and goes to our national convention. So Johnny and Gail have a hard two weeks. Pray that they would have a good camp this week. I love you so much, but more importantly, God loves you, and I hope you have a great day. You're dismissed. 